Moth. It isn't in the wings or the flying where freedom takes place. It is in the quiet cosmos of your unbecoming. In a case of silk, your essence is protected while imaginal discs shift, molt into mystery, cave in. May a song be an anchor while your body falls into itself. May you find beauty in the reconstruction. Do you remember your simultaneous origin and conclusion? Do you remember how once in a cocoon you met yourself? Welcome to Weapon of Choice, a podcast where creatives across mediums give us insight into the weaponry of their art. Each episode, you'll be hearing an interview with an artist who uses their art as a weapon of choice for social change and disruption, visibility and justice, cultural critique and resistance, among other things that ignite social consciousness and community action. These artists will tell us about their journeys toward the battles they are fighting, how they design, sharpen, and develop their artistic weaponry to strike a blow against injustice in the world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Weapon of Choice podcast. It's Tommy Franklin. And Andrew Benda. And we are glad to be uh, saying what's up to y'all once again for a new episode. It is July, and we are grinding it out in a good way. And um, good to check in with everybody. Hope to be hearing from some of y'all if you get the chance. Uh, This is season three, still in the early stages, but there's a lot of year left, and we're going to be putting out some. Really good interviews, um, including today's and in the coming weeks. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. What's good with you, Andrew? It feels like it's been a minute since I've been on these intros yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. outros. It's been a minute, but we've been we've been super busy uh, in the best way. Uh, we and we'll tell you more about that on the back end on the outro. But uh, I I haven't been able to take advantage of the summer as much as I thought I would. Oh really? I always, well. I always make plans to like you know I'm gonna bike to work every day. Hmm. It doesn't happen. So we're halfway through the summer. What do you do when you assess uh, how those plans have been shaking out for you? How do you uh, adjust? Got to find some water. Jump in it. That's like really rough. no excuse in Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, yeah. Got to find a dip. Got to take a dip. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's been it's been a good time. Find a dip, find a quarry, do a backflip. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I hope all of our listeners are finding ways to uh, soak up what time they can while the mm-hmm. season's warm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to uh, announce to y'all on the airwaves, on the podcast waves, I don't know what kind of waves these are. But um, we do have, um, if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, mm. you probably should and if you can, that's on Instagram, it's at Weapon of Choice Podcast. On Facebook, it's at Weapon of Choice Podcast. Twitter, we're, we, we do all right there. It's at Weapon Choice Pod. But we do have um, a limited amount of Weapon of Choice t-shirts. We have those. They're buttersoft cotton. I wear mine three times a week. It's basically an outfit now. Um, and we do have those for anyone who's interested in a Weapon of Choice Podcast t-shirt. It's black. It's got our lettering. It looks really, it looks really fucking good, actually. Um, they're twenty four dollars, 
We will ship them to you anywhere in the world for free. Boom. And uh, if you are a Weapon of Choice community member, meaning you are on our Patreon and give a monthly contribution, the, the shirts are only $16. So um, there will be other perks as we continue to grow. But the, one of the reasons we are continuing to grow is because folks are contributing monthly dollar amounts to our Patreon in any amount, $1 a month or more, 5 or more, 20 or more, you name it. And if you want to be a Weapon of Choice community member and contribute monthly dollars, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Weapon of Choice podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash Weapon of Choice podcast. And we really appreciate any single dollar. I mean, like, think of the, think of the trips we've made, the, the equipment we've uh, fixed or uh, acquired, and uh, just the way we're able to just run this show as we maintain our busy lives on top of this this show that we love more than anything we're actually doing. Mm -hmm. Every piece of this show since day one has been, um, we have not let technical issues or money get in the way, but every every dollar does help us continue to make this show um, the best that we can. I mean, um, yeah, any any sort of... Any, anything that anybody contribute, we appreciate so much, and you know we are fully committed, Tommy and I are committed, just so you all know, to getting the best interviews, talking to the best people, and, and getting them for this show, and anything helps. Yeah, and then, you know, again, the t-shirts, we'll ship them for free to you anywhere in the world. If you're in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, what have you, you can always meet up with, with us and pick them up, $24, and... Um, you know, we, we don't have a store right now on our website. Our website is specialmenuproductions.com where we have the podcast and video projects. You can always check that out. But we, but we're not, I don't know if we need to, you know, we don't have mugs and keychains, yada, yada yet. So I don't know if we want to pay the fees right now to open a store when we're happy to just ship it to you straight from, you know, the post office or from my house, Andrew's house. And um, so, you know. One uh, way to also just help us grow always is if you subscribe to us on any of your platforms that you Please listen to podcasts, subscribe. you can you can review us, give us five stars, um, write a review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, click five stars, write a quick review. All of that will take two minutes, two to three minutes, mm -hmm. and you do not know how much that means to us. I think we have 74 uh, rated reviews. Well, yeah, we have... Uh, we're grateful because we have a five-star rating on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and we have some amazing reviews that people have written. If you are a listener, you love what you're hearing, please uh, take a moment to hit that up and give us that review. Um, and you can always contest. Again, if you need the T-shirts, DM us on Instagram, DM us on, DM us on Facebook, or you can hit up weaponofchoicefans at gmail.com to uh, say you want to you wanna buy one of these butter soft t-shirts. They're amazing. They are soft. They're yeah. so soft. I wanted <laughs> to say that. The, yeah. Two, or, uh, yeah. Two other things before, before we get into uh, this episode's interview. One is that if you're listening, I, I want everyone to, and I know this is going to happen. It just, it just, it's where it happens in the episode. But while you're listening to this episode, do yourself a favor and when that moment when something uh, Shamieli says resonates with you, jot that down. doesn't have to be more than a sentence or two, but it super, super helps us for you to post quotes from the episode and share it online and share those parts that resonate with you because that's going to be the thing that um, connects us to people. And the other thing that I really wanted to say uh, when we're talking about the Patreon is um, just how much I love 
the opportunity and the privilege that that I get to do this show. And w- whether that's, yep. you know, any sort of, you know, d- doesn't matter if we have zero people on the Patreon or, you know, a thousand. Um, I love making this show. And, you know, I want you, want you all to know that. Um, yeah. We love it when we love you for listening. Absolutely. And we love it. We do see people since we do make it here. We do run into people in our hometown. We've been blessed uh, to run into people. And they say they, they love the show. Um, yeah. Anytime that happens, we're super grateful. We're super grateful that uh, some of the artists we've interviewed have been because other artists are like, mm. you need to talk to this person. And like they'll on, some have on the spot texted that artist and said, when you're in Minneapolis, yeah. talk, to these, talk to Weapon of Choice. Um, we still can't believe that Pussy Wright got a hold of us <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and had us interview yeah. them on stage. Um, and uh, we didn't even know we were on their radar. So we're going to... We're gonna try to keep growing. We want to do another live show before it's all said and done. Hopefully by the end of this year, let's figure out how to do that. And the best way we're gonna to try to figure that out is just become closer with community, exactly. not just the artists that we happen to know in community, but just all of you. Ideas we welcome. Um, there's ways mm-hmm. to get a hold of us. So yeah, keep Thank checking, you. keep checking out all that out. And uh, what do we got for this episode, Andrew? We had a good time. This episode we talked with Shami Ali Naim. Shamia Lee is a poet, a visual artist, and an author of the poetry collection City of Pearls from Upset Press. you got to get this collection of poetry. Born in Hyderabad, India, and raised in both the UK and the US, she is a former public interest lawyer supporting economic justice for survivors of family and intimate partner violence. She's a recent recipient of the Loft Literary Center Spoken Word Immersion Fellowship. Her poetry has appeared in countless anthologies, including Mizna and we had such this was we did this interview on Mother's Day of this year. We're a little backlogged everybody, but we're getting there. Like I said, we're we're busy, but thank you, Shami, for yeah, sitting down with us while you were traveling on Mother's Day. Yes, yes. Um, just such like so many of these interviews, I just felt so so um so fortunate to be able to sit and chat in St. Paul. And uh, without further ado, here's the interview. Get into it. Um, well, greetings. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, my name is Shami Ali uh, Naeem, and I am a poet, um, a writer, a visual artist, a mom. Um, I'm Philadelphia-based at the moment. Um, I've been living in Philadelphia for about 12 years. And um, yeah, that's me. All right. Well, Shami Ali, welcome to Weapon of Choice Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you today. And on this day, happy Mother's Day to you and every day. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, we'll we'll just get right into it. What is your weapon of choice and what battles are you fighting? Well, I kind of like to see my life not as a battle. So I don't really look through the lens of weapons and the sort of... uh, lens of war um so for me i'm about life force and love and growth and planting things and manifesting things um poems visual art music um stories um food (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) jokes Mm. i love jokes uh what are you trying to plant right now ah wow um, well, right now I am harvesting, um, 
the seeds I planted almost 20 years ago um, with this new book, City of Pearls. Um, so it's really exciting to kind of taste the fruit, um, see the bloom of, uh, of all those years of work. Um, and simultaneously think about what are the new things um, I want to manifest. Um, I'm really interested in exploring um, the intersection of poetry and music. And um, I'm really excited to um, close a chapter in my life that this book sort of embodies and see what some of the new chapters are about. It's, it's a very nice closure <laughs> to um, work that I've been holding close to me for a really long time. And why is that, uh, that duration of, of this long chapter, you held it close? Was, it, was there some intention behind it or was it like a journey of um, perhaps you like to process things at a certain rate? Well, um, so when I first started the earliest pieces that are in this book, um, it was in the 90s. <laughs> I was living in New Jersey, working in New York at the time, and my dad was alive in, in that time period. It was a completely different set of poems, um, a different kind of book that was in my mind. Um, around 2006, my dad passed away, and a whole new book emerged. Um, and so many of my pieces explore uh, what it means to lose your anchor um, when you've had to move a lot. And when, if you're someone that has had to do that, you might have made your closest loved ones your home, your country. So when I mm -hmm. lost my dad, I felt like I lost my country. I lost my home. And how do you recalibrate when it doesn't feel like there is anywhere in this world that is your home, um, the safe place? Um, so that's how some of this body of work really started taking shape. Um, it is titled The City of Pearls. Um, because Hyderabad, India, which is the city I was born in, um, didn't live there very long, uh, is nicknamed the City of Pearls. But I'm also just really in awe of the pearl, um, which is a really self-nurturing jewel. Um, it starts from an irritation, a debris, um, something uncomfortable <laughs> and the mollusk starts coding this thing you know with patience time and care and transmutes what starts as an irritation a debris um into a jewel transmutes it um and in a lot of ways i feel like that's what these poems are about transmuting grief recalibrating after losing an anchor, um, re-anchoring yourself in what that might mean for you, yeah. birthing um, the 
the link between birth and death. They're very connected. Um, and not being afraid of our grief. Mm-hmm. And that we can take things like that, challenges, um, and transmute them um, by self-nurturing. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some learning in it and there's empowerment in it, mm-hmm. self-empowerment, self-love. Um, so uh, I've been ho- holding that work um, that life work, you could call it, <laughs> for a long time. And it's really exciting now to kind of have it, let it go and yeah. let it be what it needs to be for people. Um, and so. The book came out this spring, I want to say. Yeah, April 9th. April 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, that letting go, while there perhaps is some relief there, but there's also that excitement. Like, how have you kind of dealt with that excitement? What have you felt? And, you know, what kind of high have you kind of felt as a part of that? You know, folks are celebrating the fact that your journey has reached this point. And how do you feel about that excitement? Um, It's so many things. Well, one is just a super thank you for all the people that have traveled with me over these 20 years, like poets, friends, um, sisters, brothers, kids, (laughs) you know, um, it's just this very affirming feeling to see these wonderful relationships I've cultivated over all these years of my life mm-hmm. dedicated to poetry, um, to, to see all these beautiful faces at the finish line, you could mm-hmm. call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's that. But the thing that's been the most um, uh, heartwarming to me, really, uh, humbling is the strangers that I've met since the book has been released. And they're so kind to share with me, um, people in their life that they've lost their own anchors and the ways in which the poems resonated, um, for them in their own journey with grief. Um, and that's been super powerful, um, to connect that way and, um, have the honor Mm. for someone to share their, story with me um and uh the life that these poems take on their own you know um that's been beautiful to witness so as you began to re-anchor yourself 12 years ago how did you start to identify what was safe for you after after 2006 well um wow it's definitely been a journey of relearning my dad, um, that his presence is still actually quite strong with me. Um, I joke around with my friends. I'm a real Star Wars person. <laughs> and I'm like, Luke didn't get really trained as a Jedi till Obi-Wan passed away. <laughs> and it was when he was in the Force that he really understood himself um, and understood Obi-Wan. Um, so I kind of felt like that with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I would keep learning more about him. If anything, I learned more about him. Um, my son has been an incredible force for me too and in just that love work as a mom. Um, and, and then just a discovery of my own self um, and the home within me 
Um, but it's been quite powerful to um, spend time with the unseen and the ways in which my dad is still really present yeah. um, and what ways I can still develop a, a relationship with him and that anchor isn't gone. I know you mentioned he still shows up everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, he was a great dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Invocation. My dad walks with me in the mornings. The sun is new. Even in the cold, I can feel him in unknown spaces and collapse. If I were sad, he'd bring me fruit and water. If I were scared, he'd listen and offer counsel. He would give me a poem. He would tell me a joke. And I would know that he was there. I've never seen my dad cry, but I have seen him leave this world. I felt him as a machine sang a flat note parallel to a digital line on a screen. I reached for his hand. My dad walks with me in the mornings. He taught me how to plant things. He showed me how to herd sheep, to pay attention to life force, listen to the earth. He would tell me, this is but a moment. He would tell me, you're a good mom. He would show me maps in the sky and how evergreens never lose their emerald. He would read Aitokorsi. It would smell of safety and rose water. He would say, Aleph, Lam, Mim and I would know that he was there. He would say, this world is full of secrets. He would say, listen. mentioned um, other people sharing sort of the, the intimacy of them losing their anchors with you. Um, well, in what other ways or, or, or what specific moments are you, can you recall um, that other people have, have shared with you just their response to the new book? So in the New York reading um, that was at Burl's Poetry Bookshop in April, um, someone came to me after the reading to say, I didn't know who you were. And, you know, my friend said, come to this thing. And, you know, I didn't know what it was. And, and then I realized I was supposed to be here because, you know, I lost my dad two months ago. And it just felt like such a relief to hear that I don't need to be in a rush right now with my grief. And, um, you know, that was just 
like makes all of it worth it for me you know just if it's offering anyone that ease or comfort or figuring things out on their own journey um and that just human connection with each other um of this experience that none of us will escape you know death is guaranteed for all of us um in some shape or form our own or someone we love um and so um you know that's just sacred to me those kind of Mm-hmm. moments um so i've had multiple yeah. moments like that um which was unexpected i wasn't expecting that um mm. when i released the book that would happen what what's your you know you mentioned you love uh in terms of uh things that you know might uh facilitate art making and creativity you love jokes like so like what is what is your palette for humor do you like dishing it out do you like witnessing it and just getting your roll on laugh at, you know heavily in your own laughter or <laughs> well i don't like when the joke's on me no i'm just kidding um i don't like mean jokes mm-hmm. like i don't like people getting hurt mm-hmm. so i'm not into that kind of humor when there's a winner and loser that's just no, like just yeah, yeah. you know like i'm not into that um but i'm definitely into laughter as medicine um you know, what can you do but laugh when stuff is happening, mm. you know? Um, I think, you know, someone had told me that crying and laughter are also really linked similar to birth and death, that they are both really purifying. And, um, you know, our tears purify us and laughter purifies us. And so, you know, I find that beautiful. Um, you know, where I can, I enjoy just making random jokes with strangers and I don't know. <laughs> I mm. sound corny, but <laughs> uh, are, you, are you like a, are you like a punchline joke teller or like a storytelling? I mean, I'm no storytelling. comedian. I'm going to tell you that. You got I'm some no funny comedian. stories. And um, I, 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 it's just, I enjoy laughing. Yeah. I like hearing, I like, I like people with a good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I find like great. Um, my dad definitely had a great sense of humor and a lot of our lessons were lessons in just like laughing sometimes, you know, even when things were hard. Yeah. So I think that's a huge survival tool is having a sense of humor. Because um, we all got to protect ourselves. Like there's like innate sensing danger or safety. But like right up there is having a sense of humor to like after whatever wave of good or bad washes through, you know, um, yeah, I mean, like, if, have you ever, like, really, really laugh, laugh, like, for a while? You feel so good afterwards. Yeah, you almost don't want to yeah. stop, yeah. you know. <laughs> what Did you have siblings? Um, I have two sisters. Yeah, okay. I'm the eldest um, of two sisters. Mm-hmm. So one is two years younger than me, and the other is six years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And we had lots of jokes, mm-hmm. all of us. <laughs> mm. I'm sure, like, and you moved around a lot, and as you're growing up, or... You've moved around quite a bit in your life, you know, whether it was like younger or as you got older, just being in different, being in different, you know, places, spaces, I'm sure you're able to like have more of a sense of humor because you're seeing like, oh, this is a different life now and I'm witnessing that I'm eventually going to like somehow acclimate to. And so have you like, you know, just been in new cities and been like, oh, they do this here. And it kind of like, you know. Oh, do I see a difference in people's sense of humor places? Yeah, well, perhaps that, but also just like lifestyle. Like the living here is different in North Carolina and things might, you know, you might, your sense of humor might just say, 
I'm just going to laugh at that until I really get to know what this is all about. You know? Well, no, I don't for laugh. Yourself, no, for I don't your, laugh at people that way. Not at people. <laughs> yeah, not at people just like, oh, oh, okay, this is different. You know, because I know when I see something before I judge, I have to like almost find some light in something to like pause, you know, to pause to reserve that judgment. And so not like in a, they do this and I'm laughing at it because I might be doing that in, in three months. You know what I mean? So what is like moving around done to um, kind of like toy with uh, how you think about putting words on a page even? Um, well, well, there's one many layers to like laughing, right? There's like the nervous laughing too, which I totally do. Like when you I'm nervous, really I that. laugh. Like, <laughs> it's not something I'm that happy about. <laughs> like, you know, I'm nervous if I'm laughing, like I have that nervous laugh thing, mm. but um. I mean, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to be a guest in so many places, live, live in so many places, um, and get to know a land um, and the people that, um, you know, honor the people that are the stewards of that land and each indigenous community that is of that land and then the communities that are um, living in each place. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that is one of the first things I try to do is just like figure out what kind of plants grow here mm-hmm. and, <laughs> um, and just observe and listen and, and be a guest because, and hopefully I'm welcome in the place that I'm living in. Um, so even with Philly, I've lived in Philadelphia for almost 12 years now. I moved there in 2006 mm-hmm. um, and shortly after my dad passed away um, and I was like, yeah, I'm a guest here. I, I wouldn't claim that I am from Philadelphia. I still feel uncomfortable to do that, even though I lived there 12 years Over now. Over a decade. Yeah. And it's probably the place I've lived the longest in America at this point. Yeah. Um, and so I got to just reflect on why I do that. But um, yeah, I'm not someone to say, yeah, I'm from New York. And I only lived in New York eight years or something. <laughs> I, th- I always <laughs> thought it was like uh, after 10 years, you can go right ahead and say it. But you, don't, you? you don't feel what it yet. What is the thing? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what is the thing that... Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I am grateful to have the experience to be in different places, um, experience the land in different ways, and, and just get to see... You know, generally, mm. different kind of ways people are in being. Um, mm-hmm. But I've mainly been like an East Coast person, mm-hmm. you know, so, so sometimes East you just, Coast and Midwest. Sometimes you answer, I'm from the East Coast. Sometimes you go back to the I beginning. Will say, I can say I'm from the East Coast. Yeah. I can say that because, you know, I immigrated to Maryland. Mm-hmm. I was in Maryland till I was like from five to 17 years old. And then I was in Ohio for four years. Boston for three, North Carolina for three, mm. New Jersey, New York for eight, and then 12 years in Philly. Mm-hmm. And then who knows where else. Mm-hmm. But right now my son is there in that area, so I'm going to stay in Philly for a little bit. That's awesome. You mentioned uh, like transmuting. I really like that t- uh, grief. And we kind of talked about how laughter and crying can kind of do that. What What other pieces of your own journey have you found is a part of that transmutation process? Mm. Um, Creating things, Mm. um, embracing things that might feel scary and not fighting it off. 
um, accepting all of yourself, uh, embracing the seen and the unseen, like connecting with your ancestors, with spirit, um, with nature. I mean, nature is like the master transmuter. Mm. We can just sit and observe it in any way and you can see all the ways that happens constantly all around us in big ways and small ways. It's just the constant, um, you know, change. Mm. Um, and that kind of is, did, I think Octavia Butler said that change is the only constant. God is change. Mm. Um, I think um, there is a gift in art to really transmute a lot of things, whether it's music, poetry, um, visual art. Um, I think artists are masters yeah. at this. Um, and I'm not talking about myself, but you know, you can sit with the work of Alice Coltrane and just <laughs> marvel and be healed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's been the art recently that's been transmuting for you? That for me, like yeah. that I'm just reading a lot of or, or taking listening in, to. listening yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I listen to a lot of Alice Coltrane, um, a lot of John Coltrane. When did that start? Oh God! Like in when I was a teenager, I had this like piano teacher who was like maybe in her twenties, <laughs> who was just the coolest. Okay. <laughs> and she just, she's like, you need to listen to this, and you need to listen to that, mm -hmm. and. And so that's yeah, she been, put me on yeah. to all this stuff when I was a teenager mm. and just, I was spoiled rotten, <laughs> <laughs> like Sun Ra. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I grew up listening to a lot of Prince, so it's always really nice to be here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like uh, just so many things, but uh, she was definitely a strong influence for me musically in terms of just people I still listen to to this day mm. that I hold close. Um, I listen to a lot of Nusrat Fatali Khan. I really like Kowali and Sabri Brothers, Abida Parveen. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah. I know you dedicate some of your poems to uh, sometimes a vivid memory that might have a physical resonance or a scene you witnessed or a person or personality you took in. So. Uh, you know, can you think of a time in life that you realized a keen observation that that keen observation trait kicked in for you, and how that informed your writing? Uh, you mean like just the... like I remember you you witnessed the the elderly man at the morgue with his ledger, right, 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 with, right. from the poem Ledger. Mm -hmm. um, so like you know, and hearing sometimes when you interlude some of your poems, you obviously have that like that super keen observation trait. I would say I don't know if that's like a term, but it, did you see yourself along life, like realizing, understanding that you like are a vivid witness to a lot of things that then would like inform how you're inspired to create? Well, thanks to my dad from a young age, like poetry was just always around us. He was like the first person to introduce me to poetry, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like, let me give you a book. You know, it was just <laughs> like he would just 
um, quote it. Like we would be here or there and he'd like quote it. Mm. Or, you know, even if I would get in you know trouble for something I did, he, I would get like a poem line to have to like figure out <laughs> <laughs> what I did. Um, but <laughs> but what that did was it it gave me a lens to look at life as a poem, not as just like some observer in the cut observing other people, but that to live life is to live poetry. I'm constantly thinking in that way. So there isn't a moment that there aren't poems going through my head and how I experience life. So poetry is a way for me to, the way that I experience life. And it's just a distilled form of expressing life. Um, and my favorite poets are the ones that I feel like capture that. Mm. Um, like Mahmoud Darwish, I love his work so much. Um, but, but yeah, so I, it's bad on me because I should spend more time writing the things that like float through my head all day long <laughs> as I lot. experience life. Um, and I like the small things. I do pay attention to the small things, like the way a mom might be talking mm. to her, her kid in the airport and buttoning their coat or, you know, you see, uh, two people helping each other with a suitcase or <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> and, and it, you know, it might be, it might be, it might be good on you that you don't try to write all that down because so if you, if you obviously think and feel a lot, um, you know, you don't have to be, if you're, you're thinking to feel a lot, you don't have to be selective and drilling down on material for your art and words for a poem, uh, or you have to be selective because if you don't narrow it down, then there might be just a big mess up there. <laughs> Maybe, you know, <laughs> Maybe it's, um, you know, I, I do love the way, um, poetry captures life so beautifully. Um, you know, it's, not just the joy, but all the complexities of who we are as human beings. Um, you know, and often the poets make sense of um, mm. our emotions during like really difficult moments and joyous moments and, you know, everything. Mm. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm good. How are y'all? Yeah. Are we good on time? Oh, we're really good. What's our... I'll probably call the Uber. Um, at like five twenty, because they're never. It's five fifty six. I mean six twenty. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, we. They're never more. They're average being about seven minutes away in St. Paul. Okay. Um, I live in St. Paul, so. So cool. Um, yeah, we're doing we're doing great. I hope um, my answers are not too like woo. We encourage. No. <laughs> we encourage. We encourage tangents. We encourage rants. Okay. But I remember you said. Um, you have a relationship to India, the land, not the government. So can you tell me, can you tell us and everyone listening about what that means for you? Well, the current government that's being led by Modi right now is, in my opinion, a fascist government. Um, it's quite oppressive. Um, and um uh, I guess sometimes we can see through the lens of borders and the constructions of nations um, with the narratives that certain governments push, um, but the land and nature are very strong and much stronger than that. And we have our relationship with our land 
even if we may not be welcome across a border mm -hmm. um, or by fascist oppressive governments. Um, so that was why I shared that in the reading that, you know, there is a very deep relationship that we have um, with land and with the land that um, we may identify with. Um, in, in my case, you know, I was born in Hyderabad, so I feel like I have a relationship with that land. I understand it in a way that um, doesn't make even sense to me sometimes because I didn't live on mm -hmm. it that long. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I have had the gift to be there in the times that I've been able to visit, um, you know, it's loud, you know, and welcoming. Like yeah. all the trees and Beautiful. the water, the rivers, butterflies, the mosquitoes, like all of it. <laughs> like I know it. Mm. Um, I know the red ants. I know the black ants. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about the red ants the hard way. <laughs> mm. um, the scents, the way the light falls, you know, it's just so much bigger than a government. Um, so they might say that, you know. I might have trouble getting a visa sometimes to get back to the place that I was born, but the land is still there to welcome me. The land is still there to share with me the things I need to learn. Um, mm -hmm. And when I'm a guest on land, I know what that is too, and to be grateful and honor and make sure to remember like, you know, who was there um, or is there. Um, so, what do, like, what do memories do to inform your creativity? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, memories, they inform creativity in the sense that they're a way that when we create, we can preserve the stories that are important to us, the stories that we want to uplift, the stories that might get erased other places. Um, the creative space is a space to uplift that, preserve it. Um, you know, uh, keep things alive. Um, it's, a, it's a method of survival almost to be able to share our memories and preserve our stories. Mm-hmm. That's why we have you here. <laughs> Finding home. In this room filled with late night dreaming, your cries wake me again. Is it the fifth time you woke? Is it really 5 a.m.? The scent of you, fresh and safe, skin soft, moonlight's caress on moving water. The four days old of you bundled close against me. Was it you inside me all along, you within me? When I learned of your presence, summer's gentleness against my skin, the air gleamed bright, sky clear, 
open. In my muscular nest you nuzzled, swam in a concealed sea. You urgently grew beneath my heart. You are here now, drinking breast milk, in the last sigh of this night, fragile life in my care. I curl around you fatigued, feeling some ancient story coursing through me, your warm breath painting luminescent landscapes against my skin. At this moment, she swept over me, home did, not the brick variety or nation. Though I searched for her, it was she who found me. We wept in the serene yellow light glowing sincere, exchanged stories, reconciled. You know, she missed me. Was this me, bearer of life, birthing dreams under the light of the last star shining before daybreak, nourishing and protecting my now sleeping infant, fluttering smiles of contentment like sunlight, my own belly full of belonging after finding myself. What are you tired of hearing? Ugh. I mean, I'm tired of fascism, racism, um, misogyny. Um, I'm tired of oppression. I'm tired of hearing about state-sponsored death. I'm tired of war. I'm tired of hearing about all those things. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. And then the other, the other side of that is, today, what do you love hearing? Today, what do I love hearing? Yeah. Um, I just came from an interview with Ross Gay. Have you read any of his work? Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that interview, and I, I love, I was really enjoyed hearing his work and his book, um, which I have with me. I can tell you what it's called. Um, The Book of Delights. Oh. I enjoyed oh, The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. Mm. Um, and I got to hear him be interviewed this morning, and I really enjoyed him reading excerpts from this book and, and celebrating everyday delights. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy hearing about people's happiness. Um, I enjoy uh, hearing things where it's life affirmation. Um, yeah. Hmm. I noticed once, uh, it was the first poem you read the other night, um, but maybe it's a thing, like you close your eyes for just a moment before you read. Is that is that like something you do? to like momentarily ground yourself before you go into reading something. I don't know, it just looked like it was a part of, it looked like it wasn't performance, but it looked like it's something that's soothing to you on stage. I didn't know I do that. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, well, it just seems like a, a one of the ways you breathe uh, another dimension of life into the words when you voice them. And, you know, when you connect your tone, even when you connect your tone to a line in the audience, what have you played with there when you're like on stage performing or is it or is it pure personality that shines through on the microphone? Like, because like you, your readings just seem so naturally engaging with the audience because you could just read the words because the words are clearly powerful, the words themselves. But I don't know, you connect with the audience uh, in vivid ways, the way you pause or like look up when you say a certain line is that like have you you know i don't know have you like kind of massaged the way you like to um, let your energy burst out on stage i mean when i'm sharing work i want to be together with who's in the room it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how many or few people are in the room mm -hmm. i want to connect with each other because that's a to me like some of the point of this right mm -hmm. it's like connecting with each other and um so to me, it's important to to really be present with the people that are there and the gift it is mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. them to come and even want to hear me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I do like to try to um, make eye contact with my audience and really share the work to them um, and not feel like I'm just this entity on the stage by myself or something. We're there together. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like conversations or, or um, a gathering discussing and, and being vulnerable about grief, too, is so rare. It's such a, it seems to be something that is socialized to be such a private thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it is like really a gift to be in a space where even if there isn't, you know, a, 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 a verbal conversation back and forth, there's an there's an energy between everybody where you know that everyone's sort of transmuting, to use your word, some the grief inside them, and, and we know we all have it. Mm -hmm. um, what you know, what when you're getting ready to really make that space for a community, what sort of things do you ground yourself with, or what is there any sort of like uh, I don't want to say not rehearsal, but like practice that gets you ready for that I mean really it's like breath and being in my body yeah. um, because I just want to be as authentic and real as I can be every time I share the, the work mm -hmm. I also want to be intentional in what I'm sharing what energy I'm sharing yeah. with who's in the room and I'm really not trying to bring people down into like any value of despair or anything sure, you know? sure. Um, so it's important to me to um be gentle and compassionate um, and uh, and have a mix yeah. of poems where it's not just, <laughs> you know, it's hard subjects for a lot yeah. of people. And, um, you know, I, I was intentional yeah. in, in the ways that I express my relationship with grief, that it wasn't just like journal writing. Mm. Um, there mm -hmm. were lots of poems that didn't make it to this book sure. from myself because... Yeah. I didn't want to put that on people. Um, that was my own private work. Mm -hmm. um, and the things that I wanted to share were things that I hoped would be something um, that would impact people in a positive way mm -hmm. um, and offer some ease or comfort in their own journeys um, or even just some openness to think about um, 
you know, think about these things just for their own self, like from their own lens, like not even from my lens, you know. So I think in one of my poems, it closes by saying, this is the story you will lose if you do not ask. And this that could be literal where you're going to ask someone you love something you never did. <laughs> but it's also to ask yourself certain things um, that sometimes because of our society, our capitalist society, tends to have us disassociate from ourself or our loved ones or the land. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I think these spaces, like um, whether it's just yourself in a book of poems or you and some and an album or going to a poetry reading or experiencing art in some ways reconnects us back in our breath, back in our bodies. Um, and I like that part a lot about po poetry. Mm -hmm. what's the most profound answer you've ever received what's the most profound answer i've ever received mm -hmm. so from you, anyone you could have been witnessing life. an interview and heard an answer from the interview part or you could have been given advice um so very abstract i know but i mean that's a huge yeah. question yeah yeah i mean Were you ever searching? I mean, there's so many. Yeah. Um, the the things that pop to my mind are, you know, Malcolm X. Any number of his speeches provided so much guidance for me. Mm. I'm eternally indebted to him um, as a Muslim woman. Um, my dad, of course, shared so many things that have shaped everything of who I am. Um, I still hear answers from him. <laughs> yeah. um, my son, who is like my Yoda. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, that relationship has really taught me so much about what is important to me in life. Um, that love work, that care work. Um, the wisdom of kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like the love that's in his honesty. Just, yeah, the way they see the world um, is so different than adults. And there's a lot to learn. Um, so many women in my life. Um, that... Um, constantly give me answers. Um, Amina Wadud, um, you know, my mother, um, my sisters. Um, I mean, that's like, come on, that's that's not a fair question. <laughs> oh. what, um, Sonia Sanchez yeah. has tons of answers. Mm -hmm. um, Lucille Clifton, you know, um, Abida Parveen, her work is full of mm -hmm. things that I need to hear that are full of answers. Um, That's good. It's not meant to be rapid fire. <laughs> but I am going to ask, what's the most profound lie you were ever told? Oh, wow. <sighs> These are really hard questions. Mm. 
I mean, I think it's the lie that just stands in the way of us loving ourselves. Every single thing that stops you from doing that is the worst lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm. that can be wrapped up at the intersection of caste, race, gender, you know, everything. Mm. And, um, and that is the biggest lie. I would say like racism is a huge lie. The whole construction of race, it's a horrible lie. And caste. Mm -hmm. When do you feel like you're at your very best? With my son. Beautiful. When is the work most fun? I mean, it's really fun to share it. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to experience other people's work. I love that. Just love it. Hearing other people's poems, hearing other people's music, dancing, um, being with friends, connecting with humans, mm -hmm. intimacy. I love that. Mm. You know, so, so how do you balance cynicism and hope? I mean, everything is a constant learning. I've had different moments. Um, I mean, I really look to the examples of people like Alice Coltrane, mm -hmm. um, who have gifted us all with something tremendous, you know, that is a legacy, you know. Um, the, the, it's never been an easy journey for any, any of the artists that I hold dear to me. Their lives have been full of all kinds of different um, obstacles and, and challenges, and yet they're able to still create this gift that that sends love to all of humanity, that that uplifts all of humanity um, in ways that I'm still trying to understand. I'm really humbled by that. Um, so I balance cynicism and hope by that tenacity, um, brilliance, commitment, um, love. Um, I'm nowhere near any of that realm, <laughs> but it really helps to ground me when I'm trying to, to make sense of things that don't make sense. And, um, and then again, like the unseen gives me a lot of strength, uh, spirit, yeah. um, the presence of my dad. Yeah, the spirit of what's in all of these great works that inspire you and that you mm -hmm. continue to listen to, and consume for your own. Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, but we do appreciate that about you too. Because uh, again, like just even, I saw you on stage last Thursday and there's besides the critique of that's a great poet, that's a great writer. It's, it's also be way beyond your skill set is that spirit that you provide in a room, in a space, your energy that um, is why I like to show up to things like that. Um, so we appreciate you for that. Thank you. What do you directly want to say to the people listening? What do you want them to know? <laughs> Um, love yourself like your life depends on it. Um, you know, I think, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Sham, thank you for joining us uh, on your very busy schedule while you're here. 
We're here in Minneapolis. We happen to be sitting in St. Paul at the moment, but uh, in town from Philly, on your way to the airport, you, you came and hung out with us, so we're forever grateful for that. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you. much for having me. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shami Ali. We really appreciate that, and I hope you all appreciate that conversation. Yeah, that was real. Shami's words, any way you get them, podcasts. Mm. Live poetry readings, the book. Um, you know, I, I guarantee something in there, if not a lot of things in there throughout, will resonate with you and have you think about home, family, uh, growth. Um, kind of like, yeah, again, we haven't been pumping out episodes like crazy. I kind of like miss these conversations, even though we're still doing interviews and there's more to come, but we're lucky. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And uh, again, uh, what you were just, you were saying though, um, that it feels good to be doing this. I mean, because we've been busy making, we've been making video projects for you know community-based video projects uh, here in town. Some of that you'll catch on our website or our Vimeo, uh, Special Menu Productions Vimeo, and our website SpecialMenuProductions.com. Some isn't published yet, but that's been all good too. But this, mm-hmm. it's like always reconnecting and doing this podcast has been. Yeah, something about sitting down, Tommy, with you and any of these artists is just, you know, it's it slows everything down. And I just love that that moment to really connect with people and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really share that intimate space. That is That has been, yeah, I just feel so grateful for being able to do that. And, you know, we're excited to, to be making more video projects, but, you know, this is like, this you know, this wasn't is, a choice. This it's is like first love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first love. It, it's been a, it's been much of a transitional year for me. I can say. Yeah. I think it's been sorts of transitional year for you as well. Mm-hmm. And we partner. Andrew and I have been making shit together since like 2015, and we only met like December 2014. And we just, there's a lot of yeah. shit we want to make. I mean, like, we're making these community video projects. We're making podcasts. Two more podcasts should be launching very soon. And, but we want to make the weird shit for us, too. So that's happening this fall. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Are You Sarah, our first short film, you can see it on specialmenuproductions.com or our Special Menu Productions Vimeo if you want 14 minutes of a twisted uh, romantic comedy we're still filling notebooks with film ideas <laughs> yeah and we're 95% done with a, a second short film um, we got th- this crazy one we're about to make and um, you know yeah independent artists fuck I know I've known I've known them before I went I went fully independent you could say mm-hmm. in the spring and uh, it's fucking hard yo it's like you don't know you don't know there's no routine and no set schedule of how you're going to pay the bills and this and that. And um, But, you know, I'm just thinking of these artists that we know and then artists out there who are listening. You know, again, <laughs> we love feedback. Uh, I mean, we love just people chiming in. If you hit our email at weaponofchoicefans at gmail.com or contact us on social media, we'd love to hear from you. Um, when it comes to if you're an independent artist, freelance, or any version of that, mm-hmm. how you keep trucking, what um, what ways that you've overcome certain struggles, what's worked, what doesn't work, what pitfalls do you think we should avoid as independent artists? Yeah. And um, how do you demand your worth? 
you know and yes we have friends here in town that we can sit down and have great conversations and pick their brains and we do and, and these conversations are lovely but we love strangers and, and the second you say a single word to us you're not a stranger anymore and because we know you're listening and we feel we feel the community out there listening and in other countries even it's just it blows our minds sometimes when we look in our like database so to speak and see who's listening and from where and how often so yeah if if y'all got some uh, interesting thoughts on the beautiful struggle of being an independent artist freelance or otherwise uh, hit us up always this podcast has been a special menu production you can check us out at www.specialmenuproductions.com and oh boy keep your eyes peeled on that website because we're going to be adding a ton of stuff that we're working on in the coming weeks the coming months yes um, it's always a blessing to be doing this show and to be talking to you and uh, we can't wait but check us out if you're looking to support us in any way that you can you can check out our patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash weapon of choice podcast you can become a supporter of the show in any way kind of like we said at the front you know we just want to thank folks again and uh, remind y'all to drink water and uh, please yeah. please uh please send me eight thousand reminders to drink water myself because i am the worst i need your help all right i need your love love back to you it's all peace and love and hopefully some pleasure hopefully a lot of pleasure you know as we continue to learn how important that is all right everybody see Take you next care. time